Yeah, so now I've started this coaching and developmental editing service. So for memoir specifically or creative nonfiction specifically. So if you're having trouble with your memoir, either getting it off the ground or you have a full manuscript, I have services for you. Um, if it's getting off the ground, I'd love to coach you through structure, through theme, through goals, through finding that golden thread to make the memoir something that people want to read. If you've already got a manuscript and you need someone to take a deep dive into that manuscript and develop and develop it better for editors or publishers. I have services now for you to do that. I, I would love to work with you. You can find all these services at casejohnston.com or you can write me at casejohnston at gmail.com. I'd love to work with any memoirs, any essays, any collections of essays. So go ahead and reach out. Uh, Case, go ahead and spell Johnston. because. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, K-A-S-E. J-O-H-N-S-T-U-N dot com or J-O-H-N-S-T-U-N-K-A-S-E at gmail dot com. Reach out with any questions. Thanks. Awesome. This is Case Johnston. Brandon and I from the Banyan Collective are recording in Banyan 1 on in the Monarch on Historic Ogden 25th Street. And uh, we're doing something new today. This is not the Literally Podcast. This is Bourbon beers and books uh, hosted by literally caught podcast, but also it's hosted by uh, Sean Davis, Tia Brown, Lee Camacho Rourke's and myself, Case Johnston with Brandon, who's going to try to keep us in line. So there were certain things that we came to decide when we, what we were going to do with this. And so the hardest part was picking the book um, for our first venture into bourbon beers and books. We somehow chose twilight uh, by Stephanie Myers. Um, and I actually brought uh, two copies of the book uh, for everybody to see here. Um, no, wait, that's not, that's not right. Um, I brought uh this one, and this is where we're going to start today, and I, this is going to be my my sole question. Just to get the conversation started. What what did what are your copy? What is your what is your uh, copy? No, that's not it either. Oh yeah, this is. I bought this one. Um, and uh, what is your what does your cover look like, Lee? It looks like this. It looks like a, a phone. It looks like yes. a phone. So that's good. Mine mine has this. Uh, where's Tia? Yeah, there's Tia's. Hers also looks like a phone. It's yeah. nice how they do that. Uh, John is the one that gave me the audible link. And oh, this is good. really strange, but this was my first audiobook. <laughs> I love audiobooks. I listen more than I read these days. I don't uh, have anything else to say about that. Yeah, there we go. So here's my copy. And this is what we're going to jump into, start with. So if we noticed anything here, um, with the copy of this Twilight, and I don't know how many different covers it's had over the years, uh, but um, that's obviously two hands holding an apple there. What do you guys think? Uh, what do you guys think when they were looking at this, uh, putting this cover together for Twilight? Um, what they were, maybe what they were, maybe what they were trying to show or. Um, give the audience before jumping in is it a loss of innocence <laughs> it could be some sort of religious symbology yeah what is it it's an age-old tale of star-crossed lovers trying to find themselves and work it out in the universe that they somehow share yeah yes i, I see all of that Wait, in the is apple. it about apple picking <laughs> yes it's about, it's about 
baseball. baseball. Vineyards and Forks, Washington. So obviously we jump in with this kind of forbidden fruit thing, which I think, um, which the book, I've not read the second and third ones. Um, I know Sean's been through most of them already, but. Uh, I couldn't stop, honestly. Just had to keep going. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, that I, I couldn't finish. It took a lot of energy for me to get through the book. And I'm not trying to say that to degrade the book or to grade it, degrade its readers, but it just did it where I really struggled. Um, okay, so that was my one question is what the cover was. And obviously it's this forbidden fruit and the whole the whole first book is forbidden fruit and that could be anything that de- deals with uh, with chastity and or Edward and the death or whatever it is. Um, but We've been going back and forth on this for messaging in messaging for the last like two weeks while everybody's re- been reading it and kind of jumping in. But I wanted to ask, and this, like I said, this is the last thing I want to say. Thematically, who wants to jump in and kind of get the ball rolling as to what this book is? I hear beer. The beer? <laughs> I'm touching my nose because this is not it. Are you not? Mm. Were you not raised? Um, we're not at works. Like no, oh, you're no. it. So I no no. I won because I she did win first. Yeah. I'm so not. I have a question for you, Case. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. When you ask this question, do you mean? I'm gonna need a little help with this question. Do you mean what are the themes of this book? Yeah. Or, I mean, before we start, we get into the things that we absolutely hated about it. Maybe, I have some things I liked. Yeah. Let's let's try to let's try to do that and then you know, just to get the conversation going about the book in a way that, uh, you know, isn't straight well, I wanted to, into it. Why did you, so this idea has been kicking around in your head for a long time. And I'm really happy that, uh, you know, I think the best part of this whole thing is I get to talk to you guys for a couple of weeks while we're uh, reading a book. But um, Case, why did you pick this book? I think we should start off with that. Why did you pick Twilight? This is this was your idea. I'm gonna give it all to you, buddy. Um, I don't think I picked Twilight. Did I pick Twilight? <laughs> I thought if we batted around and somebody vote, we voted I it on Sean, to be honest. Did I, I, actually, I thought it was Sean. Someone <laughs> said fifty shades. Okay, yeah. So and I said that fifty shades. And I said, oh, well, yeah, we'll do Twilight. We'll do Fifty Shades next because yeah. Fifty Shades was like uh, was like uh, fan fiction for Twilight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I thought Case picked it. But so if no one wants to mess up on who picked it, I, I, I want to say, um, I, you know, this was a funny book to start with, but there is a phenomenon here. And, and, and that's what made me want to read it. And like, why did this book and when and in the research reading the book and we all came together and did some research on it this was marketed to what 12 to 17 year olds right yeah that's right and that's before that's a that's a category before ya young adults i mean it crosses into ya it made it on i think a bestsellers list for chapter books and uh, chapter books are generally considered as far as i understand pre-ya but 17 year olds of course are ya i mean there's a huge difference between a 12 year old and a 17 year old, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a pretty wide market right there, but then it becomes huge with like 40 year olds. Yeah, well, that's what I was telling you guys. So uh, we used to have this huge um, book festival in Portland, uh, uh, Wordstock, and I was a stage manager there for years. And all of the YA stages, 
were full of 20 to 40 year olds, if not, you know, older. I didn't see hardly any kids. And, um, you know, I, so that, that it's a whole genre populated by, they say young adults, but you know, it's, it's open for everyone. I do think that there's something to cross there because it's also like how many 12 year olds go to Woodstock? Probably a lot. Yeah, yeah. Northwest, I guess, is yeah. my guess. Yeah. Um, as that's where I found my own tween upbringing in writing. So I can understand that being like overflocked. But the juxtaposition of the pitching audience, the target audience, with the people who actually consume that, the people who actually spend money on it and attend these events and love stephanie meyer i mean that has to be taken into account twi hard twi hard right twi hards i mean that that yeah they call themselves that is the name i mean if you're big enough you get a name maybe someday yeah we'll one. <laughs> yeah yeah no maybe who knows book good nights i don't know urban but, livers but, <laughs> but i think the thing that is consistently difficult for me to think about this book is I can't just think about the story. I'm constantly yep. thinking about how it came into being. Who is the authority, which is Stephanie Meyer? Like, where does she come from? How does that factor in? And that's probably because my brain has been trained to think that way, right? But it is ultimately so important and it's very difficult to like concisely describe the theme, which is what Case was talking about. I think my theme would probably still stand as what I said before. I think the intentional theme, if I'm going to give them any kind of intent, which I don't in so many other aspects, it's just star-crossed lovers at the very base form of it all. I, well, yeah, I think I, it's had something to go on with the, the forbidden fruit part of it, you know? I mean, but that the, the phenomenon of, like, you know, it, Going back to what you're talking about, talking about the book and then talking about the author, this book sold uh, millions and millions, hundred over a hundred million copies. Why? I mean, this is the first vampire book where they're sexy. I don't. I mean, Bram Stoker. No, they're not sexy. Kind of, they're not sexy at all. Well, I mean, they're obviously sexy in you know Interview with a Vampire and Lestat and you know all of the you know. Yeah. Oh, precursors okay. overall because i've never found vampires to be sexy whatsoever they're very no funny. but i mean like the phenomenon of them as sex symbols right is 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 certainly predating this yeah. by just a shit ton of time and likely it's it's one of the only vampire commonalities that transfers over into the twilight series yeah well, still attractive that's like one of the only vampire qualities they continue to uphold i don't know so she makes this statement in it and i know this is kind of getting further but she, when she's researching vampires she lists off all of these things and she says and none of them match but they're things like being pale that obviously matches all vampire things right and we can go into a whole conversation about that t and i already have broached that subject individually um you know they're cold well yeah they're dead so that definitely matches everything. Um, there's like this whole list she gives and they match everything. The only things that doesn't match are, you know, the sunlight. And Glittery. the coffins have mostly gone away too. What? The I mean, oh my not, God, the glitter. Even if we're going to talk about the quality of them being sexy, they're not fucking, okay? <laughs> Vampires I mean, that's. Fuck. 
they fuck hard. Right? Yeah, that's a big part of it. All the time. And I mean, bitches in a sense where there's no gender, it's not exclusive. Okay? There's no fucking, (laughs) there's no, there's like a lot of love and like um, soulmate. Is that love? So, okay, let's go back to this idea of themes because I think this is really important. I think that what connects a 12-year-old, and I I searched the internet because I, I didn't understand something in the book. Like I was confused. So I did a search to understand something and we'll come back to that. Um, I was legitimately confused about something. And I found a Reddit board and there were a bunch of people talking and they were like, oh, when I was 12. So 12 year olds are reading this, right? Um, So what connects a 12 year old to a 40 year old? This has been my question. Your question has been about authority. Mine has been what's going on here. And this is what I've come up with. for women in American society, right? There's this discomfort with sexual longing. And so this book has safe sexual longing, right? You get all of the parts that are socially acceptable for sexual longing. You get the touching, you get the heavy breathing, you get the staring longingly for two paragraphs into well, someone's eyes. Oh my God, kill me. Affirmations. but you don't have to do the boning which um makes people squeamish i think at least a section of society and so for 12 year olds it's appropriate because ew and then for a 40 year old woman who's really uncomfortable with her sexuality it's appropriate because ew right so i think that's the theme it's about longing without yucky stuff Okay, you know what? I'm going to back you up there without the yucky stuff because there's no violence. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a story about vampires and like there's really no... Mm-hmm. We're going to talk... I'm sure we're going to talk about plot later and story later. Uh, I mean, this is a long book, right? Oh my God. 544, <laughs> it's five, so long. 544 pages. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, a lot of people say that this story didn't start i mean the the plot didn't even start until the 378th page well i'll tell you you know i mean i'm an endurance athlete i do a lot of really long things like i've done ultras half my ironmans um i've started my last half i thought i was going to die in the in the lake and i pushed through after getting through that first chapter i was nervous i didn't know if i Mm. could endure i did not believe that i had the inner strength to go that extra mile to finish this book. Um, so I so have a comment hard. on that, but I want to hear what Sean has to say about the clean cleanliness. Cleanliness. Well, no, the, the, the obscene, right? Uh, the right. Obscene, and I learned, and we were all there. We went through a, a Ben Percy uh, a craft talk about obscene means off scene, right? All the things you can't handle, uh, you put off scene and, and people tend to do that. I think uh, Myers did that with this. So like when in the very end, you know, spoiler alert, I mean, hopefully if you're watching this, you read the book uh, at the end, when she gets attacked by James breaks her leg, she doesn't even know her legs broken. It doesn't show that in any scene. Uh, she doesn't even realize she has been bitten until after she wakes up. And, and so it doesn't show any of the violence. It doesn't show any of the sex. It, it is a very, very safe book on vampires and love, which love and vampires I would argue should not be a safe yeah. thing. 
neither of those subjects should be safe. And I think it goes yeah. back, yeah, to what Lee was talking about with 40-year-old women, is I wonder if it's this longing for that time when they believed that they they were innocent. You know, that why are 40-year-old women so attracted to this book? And it's a longing for a time where they, if they were innocent or not, it was a belief in a time during our lives that they could they can capture that innocence again maybe it's the exact opposite of men who go through midlife crisis and they want to go back to when they felt like they were the most fertile you know where these young these older women at 40 are going maybe they're going back and saying this is when i was the least sexually active and that because of society because of culture made us look good yeah i think this is sexually active but had the most longing for for sex but still yeah, that's hot right I mean, oh, yeah. let's build up. It's totally hot. Longing right. is super hot if it is done correctly. <laughs> I think the issue we have with this is like, why are they longing for each other? And like I've said, thank God it's just them longing for each other. So the rest of us are spared in the in the rest of the world. But just thinking about what Case and Sean just said, I think the combination of sort of trying to seek out the daring, trying to seek out adrenaline and this life of excitement while still trying to preserve innocence, that is sort of what the book is. And again, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's Mormon, but also she's writing for 12 year olds, maybe to read this. So well, we didn't even talk about it. Like, way like, how much do we judge her? Just for that one part. Okay. Uh, this right. Well, wait, one more thing on what Tia is saying here, though. There's a fetishizing of innocence and mm. not in that masculine gaze kind of way, but in the female gaze, right? Because the character is not innocent. She wants stuff, right? She grabs his hair the first time she kisses him, right? She's she not innocent. Like, please mm. take it. Right. No. And he's she, like, I can't, I will murder you. Right. And so there's, <laughs> it's, it's both sort of this acknowledgement, I think on some level that we aren't innocent, but like, uh, wouldn't it be hot if we were, which is a little off putting to me personally, because I don't find that hot. Yeah. I, I, I would say if, it, so but if that's your kick, I am all for it. Of who, what, what's the theme here is like, I don't know. I mean, maybe this was written by, I would say a sheltered person who, uh, you know, wants to imagine the, this sex and vampirism, but do it in such a way that it doesn't really hurt anybody's feelings or get anybody's uh, pulse really yeah. going too much. All right, Charlie, but, Charlie, Charlie, we got to Charlie this. We got it. We got it. Tia, you got a good idea. We need to introduce ourselves because nobody knows what the hell's going on, who we are <laughs> or what we're drinking. So I am Brandon. I am the moderator. And, uh, I got some old Milwaukee here. Thanks. Thanks, Case. I picked up some old Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was running late. I got my kid nothing, from... Nothing but the finest. I got my kid from school and got him to ninja class and old Milwaukee's what it is. I didn't even know they made old Milwaukee still. They do, and I'm almost out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great. Who wants to start? Um, and I, yeah, I think this is a good, a good way to kind of say, at least for this first episode, of who we are, how, where, we're, where we're coming from, and kind of like our own personal schema in the way in which we look at literature and we look or, and what we're bringing to twilight. I think that's a, I think that's something um, that we could talk about with every book. What, 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 what in our background are, are, are our kind of 
prejudices when we bring to this book. I think uh, that I think that changes how we look at it. So who wants to start? Hey, so why don't you just call on people? Okay, I'll go. Um, so personally, you know, and and we kind of went back and forth. I grew up in Utah. I know BYU. I know the LDS um, history really, really well. My father was LDS. Uh, his his family was LDS. Um, they don't talk. They never talked to us uh, because we were not LDS. Um, this was a this. So this stuff is is important to my life, my background. Um, and so coming into this, knowing that Meyer went to BYU and knowing the the, the BYU culture, um, I was prejudiced. You know, everything I saw, and Atiyah brought this up in our in our in our discussions a lot about how there's a tie between Mormonism, um, uh, chastity, um, religion, and the way it plays out in. The book, and so personally, I came into this as, you know, um, I've lived, was raised in Utah, non LDS, and there's takes a lot for me to read a book from a woman who is extremely LDS and who did really, really well with it. Um, and that's just me being jealous. I would take all her money in a heartbeat, and I would have my name on the cover of Twilight. When I was younger, That I would I would have said, never. I would have said, no, do not. I will not put my name on this. But if I had her millions, I have to say at 45 years old, I would take her millions, and I would say, I would say, you can leave me alone, you haters. So, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, Tia, you go next. I am not from a Mormon area. I did date a Mormon once, though, and I have visited Salt Lake. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I live in Buffalo, New York. It's a border city between our great nation <laughs> and Canada. It's close. Um, I'm queer. I'm black. I'm white. I'm mixed race, you know, and I think that really does contribute to my lens a lot. But so does being a millennial, and I don't shy away from it the way that the media tried to make me do. Uh, but I'm not the kind of millennial that bought Twilight and boosted it up to success. Mm -hmm. So there is that distinction. Um, I was raised Catholic and abandoned it like anybody else who was raised Catholic. And I think that that's mostly it. I'm mostly here just to see my friends from grad school and my new friend, Brandon, who is kicking it <laughs> with the tech and the old Milwaukee. I'm going to pass it on to Sean, mostly because I was going to wear a hat and Sean is wearing a hat. And it really deterred me from wearing a hat. Also, I was mostly drinking, let's see, 1911. It is from uh, Lafayette, New York. It's about two hours and 40 minutes from where I'm from. Uh, sipping on hot toddies extremely slowly just to keep it balanced with all the discourse that we're creating. Do you want to explain who this is, Case? Porter? Porter was a bodyguard for uh, LDS founder. Here, Porter's Fire Whiskey out of Utah. It's good. Yeah. Cinnamon. I'll tell you, okay, so if it's cinnamon whiskey, it's not good. But but I'll tell you that whiskey does have some pretty good, uh, I mean, Utah does have some pretty good whiskey. So if it's my, my turn next, I'm going to start with uh, what I'm drinking. Uh, I am drinking a good uh, whiskey. I'm sorry, my stuff's backwards. You have to show me how to 
make it unbackwards someday. But uh, this is Rogue Brewery, and I'm drinking Dead Guy whiskey uh, in honor of Edward. And there's the little top there. It's nice. It's uh, from Rogue. And then mm -hmm. as a chaser, I'm drinking the Six Hops. This is also Rogue. Um, it's a really good, good beer. Now, as far as the lens that I read uh, Twilight through is, you know, uh, you know, I'm a combat veteran. I've been to uh, you know 12 years in the military as an infantryman. I was a wildland firefighter. Wrote a book about wildland firefighting. I wrote a book, you know, a couple of uh, kind of memoirs, and um, and then I'm reading Twilight. Uh, but what what fascinated <laughs> me there was um, I think that Twilight is um, an origin story, and and those are always fascinating. And it's not only for Edward but for his family. And I thought that was pretty cool. And, and but what's really fascinating about this book is I have no idea how it got so popular. You know, if we're talking about this book, we had to talk about the the author and and reading about it. I mean, Stephanie Meyer had a dream about a vampire and probably herself in in a meadow talking, and then she started writing about it. And I think that's pretty inspirational, right there. I I have a idea, Sean, of how it got popular. Um, but I just I just finished Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point, and he talks a lot about how things trend. And if you have a built-in audience that's enormous, like a Mormon network, it, it and it's and it's decent reading, uh, it will trend, and then it, it crosses the tipping point, and then it it blows up. But you said decent reading, but also uh, I had you know I should have a you're talking about niches. You know, but, uh, you know, I had a niche as uh, combat vets will read other combat vets mostly to laugh at what their stories are. But, I mean, it didn't happen. I mean, this was translated in 37 different languages, man. Uh, you know, 100 million copies sold. And, and and not only that, but, like, she keeps going back to the well, right? She had the gender swapping one. And then uh, she wrote the same book again as a gender swapping. And then she wrote the same book again through Edward's point of view. And, really, that book... From what I read, I didn't read that book, but it was cut. A lot of it was cut and pasted from the same, from the first book. It's just the the perspective was changing a little bit. So, I I don't I don't get it right now. I'm gonna, I want to really talk about uh, Stephanie Meyer's writing style. I would like to talk about uh, plot and structure as we go along. But um, yeah, that's why I was really fascinated with this book. Hmm. And I'll give it to Lee. Hey y'all. Um, so I'm the Southerner, and uh, I am currently in Central Florida, which uh, is sunny and beautiful right now. Uh, well, not right now. Right now it's dark. But, you know, day to day while the rest of you are freezing, that's where I am. I am drinking um, Old St. Pete Premium Corn Whiskey, which is made in St. Petersburg, uh, just down the way. Super Florida drink in here. It's actually quite good. Uh, I was surprised, um, but uh, St. Petersburg Distillery does good work. Uh, that's my shout out to them. So I'm coming at this, you know, if if any of you know my writing, I'm a, I write sort of a gritty, gritlet, but I read a bunch of genre. Uh, I read vampire books. I haven't read a romance novel in a long time, but I have read romance novels. I, I, I read a lot of sci-fi. I read a lot of fantasy. And it does not have to be top shelf for my consumption. Um, and so, you know, when this came out, uh, I'm 45. 
<coughs> and uh, when this came out, you know, I was too hot to be reading this. Hold on, I got to plug in my computer. It's given me a signal. Um, you know, uh, the idea of a sparkly vampire enraged me. Uh, I read an interview with a vampire when it first came out, you know, too cool for school. Uh, and so I, I sort of made this sort of vow never to be involved with this series. Uh, but when this came up, I decided, you know what, it's my job as the person reads this kind of stuff to, to look for the good, right? To try mm -hmm. to figure out the appeal um, to represent in some way uh, the genre culture. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm bringing to it. Additionally, I think the only, as I'm, okay, maybe I won't say the only thing, but one of the only things that I think is really working in this book, although certainly not as well it shows it should be, is the concept of place. There's some really decent placial uh, descriptions and that's my jam, that's, um, that's what I do. Uh, I study place. I study writing place and I write place. So there were moments of great joy for me while reading this uh, where, where she was doing some actually good work with place. Um, she doesn't maybe capitalize it and we can get to that later. But um, so that's who I am. That's what I'm bringing here. I also do uh, some gender and race studies stuff. And so it's hard for me not to kind of notice that kind of thing going on. Um, and I'm a teacher. And so a lot of my students read this uh, or have read it, you know, in the years. There was a time when everybody walked into my classroom was like half of them were carrying this book around. Um, and so I, something, I, kind of, I mean, I taught college for a long time and just to have a student read something that's not assigned. Right. I mean, I look at this book, it's huge. And I think there's a 12 year old old out there that is like reading this giant book and they are, they like read them. They, they know their stuff. Um, and I'm definitely a reading is reading person. Uh, so on the one hand there, there, there's actually some things I really like about this. Some of these, some of the students that I, I teach who are trying to write now started because they liked book like books like these, if not specifically these. And so, um, that's what I'm bringing to the party. I'm just glad we were here to break your vows. That was, that just makes me really, really happy. You know? I mean, that's hot. I like Edward somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's hot. <laughs> um double yeah. down is what i'm here for thanks yes. lee <laughs> um so i think maybe we attack i mean maybe we attack plot next you know because plot i mean i was hoping you were gonna be like we attack we attack strengths <laughs> yeah yeah positive positive yeah, we could go. Po we can go positive. We can go straight. No, no, I don't care. No, no. Oh, no I, I think plot. I mean, we should end with what's positive and what's negative. Maybe what's negative and what's positive end on a good yeah. note. But uh, I mean, before we get to plot, I think we should talk about character development because, you know, I, I'm of of the opinion that every sentence that you write should be either develop character or or further this your story, and I would argue that she did not further the story for about 300 pages it, she developed characters and did did though did that keep us if we were to read this without having to do a, you know a podcast about it would we have kept reading it goalie all right so 
I'm trying to jump ahead of some people here because I want to say something, which is one of the arguments against this book is often that the characters are unlikable. And because I write super unlikable characters, um, I'm really interested in that. Additionally, another comment about these this book is that Bella lacks agency. Um, and uh, I write... By that. Huh? What do you mean by agency? I mean, she doesn't do... Like, the world just happens to her. She doesn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. And I write unlikable characters who lack agency. And so when I think about this, my big question is, why do I hate them and I don't hate... <laughs> my characters. And I've got some thoughts on that, um, which I'm actually going to hold. But I think we have to be careful about the sweeping statement that the problem is that they're unlikable, because I don't actually think that's the problem. I think the problem is that they are uninteresting. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I, if oh, you sorry. give me an unlikable character that's like super dynamic, I'm in. But like, all right, so I'm going to take myself off the air with my comment. I saw Tia's hand. Yes. Yeah, I just want to quickly say to you that, um, no, they are unlikable. The thing that we're unwilling <laughs> to admit is that sometimes even the character who is evil, beyond evil, you know, the dead on Shameless, Walter White, we do like them. We like the way that they deconstruct things, the way that they observe things around them. There is nothing about Bella and Edward that's happening there. In fact, that is why Edward is drawn to Bella, because he can't read her mind. But we fucking can. If he had any clue, there's nothing the pages and pages of what's like, going what? on in her mind. Yeah, it's like, like we can read it. She's given. She's given us that. I love love. I yeah. love no, they gave us paragraphs and how she eats a bowl of cereal. I get <laughs> yeah. We get her interior person, and that's what's so unlikable. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe my suggestion would be to just change how we think of unlikable. Right. Yeah. Because well, it's it's Vonnegut's rule of writing. They navigate the world. We still kind of like that. Yeah. We don't want to call it that because that makes us seem unlikable. <laughs> this is what I would argue. It, it's well, it's it's a it's a Kurt Vonnegut's rule on writing. You don't have to give them likable characters. You have to give them a character that you can root for. You know, no matter what their their mm -hmm. motivation is, and you should have a clear motivation. Does Bella or Edward have a motivation? No. No, I, I root for her to go to sleep. Wait, wait, Bella and Edward have motivations. Edward's hungry and horny, and Bella's horny. I mean, those are clear motivations, right? You know what? In I, fairness, I agree. Bella, Bella's motivation is like she wants to get laid. Yeah, Bella's Edward, horny, and Edward's, Edward's hungry and horny. Extremely unwilling. Which is something I haven't unpacked. Like a male character not willing to get down with it. <laughs> that I might mean, be Well, he is 109 years old, or 104 <laughs> in the first one. So, I, I, you know. Which is creepy as hell because he's dating a 17 year old. That's Wait. the He also stopped aging. And <laughs> I was going to say if he stops aging at the time he's made, then he's got a 17 year old's brain, right? I don't know. I don't know how that works either. Right, because the seventeen-year-old male's brain is unfinished. No offense, but, they, but it's true. They biologically, have a seventeen-year-old brain. He reads, right? So he keeps consuming. He reads. He tries. He likes to classical travel. music. We know that. He does what's, all of these things that should evolve his brain space. But but what's the plasticity of a dead brain? 
That's true. I mean, if the brain is no longer growing, if the brain's no longer growing, he's reading all that stuff and maybe he's just shitting it out. You know, it's like if he works out, he don't get buff. (laughs) That's true. Does he not? Well, it's his waifiness that also. I'll tell you who's buff. Come on. Jacob is buff. Jacob is Jacob is buff. Yeah. Jacob is mad buff. <laughs> Team Jacob. Alan's not into it. She doesn't care. About I know because she makes the wrong choices. No, I want to talk about that case. You had a dead on straight reading this. Uh, you know, you know that a Mormon woman wrote it and living in a place where there's a lot of Mormons and the the uh, people of color, the Native Americans, are the animals. Well, in the history, if you know Mormon history and Utah history, there is a, and Brandon can speak to this too, that there is a long history of abuse and genocide, very specifically from the Mormon army against the Native Americans of Utah. There's the, what's the Mountain Valley Massacre or the Meadow Valley's Massacre? One of the two where they went in and, and then just, slaughtered whole Indian tribes, even children, and then blamed it on another tribe. Um, I mean, this is, there's, there's a huge history between the LDS church moving in pioneers, moving into Utah and their interactions or their kind of slaughter of, of the tribes. And I, what I found really interesting in this book is right at the beginning, uh, you know, she's talking to Jacob and Jacob, they're on the push reservation, which is a beautiful reservation. Um, I've been to forks three times because my family loved twilight so much that every time they came, we had to go. Um, and so not in the beginning, like a hundred pages later. Yeah. Not, well, you know, not once has this come up. Casey. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we used to go fishing on the three times. <laughs> no, what you are the one that picked twilight. <laughs> You're the Are you actually Jacob? Are you actually Jacob? I have so Forks, weird. Washington, and Forks High School stickers on my truck. All right. Um, no, um, I. Uh, so it's really funny in the sense that Jacob says, "No, they don't come here," and and what he's saying is they don't come here. Where they don't come to the reservation. You know, I mean, how blatant can that be between mainstream LDS culture in Utah and the reservations within the state? You know, it's like they don't come here. Yeah, their house is on the hill on this kind of kind of almost shiny temple that is you're only welcome to if you get a password. Right. I mean, this is really close to this relationship in the LDS culture in Utah that I, I could talk about it forever. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to do it. But well, I, I, I'm not going to say I, that she did that. I on have purpose. a question. I don't know. Yeah, probably not on purpose. Yeah. What what are everyone's like feelings about her just, you know, picking up the Native American culture and being like, yep, I saw that they lived near this place that I thought I was going to write about and just ran with it. Like, Tia, she leaned hard into Google. She really did. I'm, seriously, you'll read it. Like the only pre, the only reason As she all of our it, students know, Wikipedia is a primary source. Yes. So that's fine. I've yeah, been so yeah. So what is the experience case of reading this? Because I think that all of us caught the whole noble savage yeah. kind of bullshit um, that we're reading here with Jacob, but we don't have that kind of knowledge that you have, and. Stephanie Myers has, right? Because she, she's got to have it. Well, yeah. So what is it like for you to read that? Because that's a whole different experience. You've got a completely different experience when that scene pops up and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I don't know. And I think Sean said it right. Maybe she didn't know. 
I mean, no, maybe not, it's probably no. not purposeful, but maybe right? it's just cultural, you know? I mean, maybe it's cultural. Yeah, there's just kind there's of not knowing and there's purposeful and those are different things, right? Yeah. Um, internalized racism yeah. requires well, no purpose, but it's certainly, you know, she gets to know some stuff. She's right. She doesn't. What what we all seem to always forget is like it's not just her hands that this hmm. passes through before it reaches publication. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it's a bunch of people being like, yeah, yeah, this this tribe, yeah, they should be portrayed as beasts, even though that doesn't happen extensively in this part, but it's implied, and that's where it's rolling toward, and that is what happened. Yeah. I just well, don't understand how it can go through well, you so know, many surprise and not one person says, hey, did you know that you're like, you're betraying like... Because they're the good guys, right? We're all okay because they're the good guys. And it's not even, if I I have looked at it from then on and it's not just like that they do turn into wolves, but it's constantly like Bella's defense that the vampires are so gleaming clean because they hunt deer but you guys are murderers mm-hmm. and she has such doubt and like faithlessness in their existence it continues well, and gets worse and even when she knows that what their their stories are true she still uses words like superstitious right like she a hundred percent knows that billy's stories are 100 percent true and she still is using the word superstitious to describe it empire that glows like diamonds under the sun jesus Christ. full ahead yep no discounting you using words I, I would love to to talk about how like if you read this book uh let me back up so i know that she has a, a bachelor's degree from BYU for uh, in English. I'm sure she 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 took some uh, writing courses, but like adverbs. I mean, she leans so heavy on adverbs. No, I, she, I know for a fact. No, that, Sean, she leans heavily on adverbs. <laughs> but I know for a fact that she was told not to use to be verbs because it yeah. is painfully obvious, right? Yeah, it's uh, awkwardly like you. It's awkwardly. <laughs> we, we all need adverb. i mean i'm i'm definitely not someone who's like don't use adverbs because adverbs are a part of speech that's useful but one of the things i always tell my students is like if you repeat the same sound over and over again we can't help but notice right and so but she also uses adverbs to tell us things we already know which is the most annoying thing to me i think so we've talked about sort of how this waits to get going for so long I honestly think that the first hundred pages should be ten pages. The second hundred pages should be negative six. <laughs> maybe maybe five, and then the last hundred I might get into the book. Like there are actually some really interesting mm-hmm. scenes in this, and that's you know when I said there are things I like. One of the things that pisses me off is there are some scenes where I'm like down, right? Like I'm like what's up what's going on let's get there and then she gets back into like ruminating with all these adverbs and blah 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 y'all i fell asleep every time i read this every every time i picked it up i fell asleep whether i was listening to it or i was reading it that's why it took me so long it's a legit fell asleep huh the sentence structure kept repeating yeah it's, it was always it's like, subject, verb, direct object. Subject, verb, direct object. 
like in the end of it, like the couple let like, uh, well, I forget the part, but I counted within two paragraphs. She wrote, she started a sentence with I like 24 times. It's yeah. hypnotic. It is. I mean, maybe that's the key. Like, that's the minuscule level, right? But even what Lee is talking about is entirely fact. I received a message from each one of you about the like four to five chapter slog that occurs before the baseball game, just being like, I can't do this. And <laughs> if you're listening to this, like, this is what friendship is. <laughs> like, we all did it. None of us are happy about it. My but husband was like, just quit. My beautiful <laughs> husband, who's being so sweet. We have a tiny apartment and he is sitting in here while I'm doing this. He's such a love. And at one point in time, he was just like, stop reading this. Yeah. Well, my, I think. Your friends care. Your friends care. I know. Yeah. I posted about obtaining this book. I knew a lot of people like 10 years ago really devouring the shit out of this. So I don't know why they're lying to me. But to go back at least, <laughs> it did get more interesting, I think, once James kidnaps her. Mm -hmm. And there's that bit 100%. About, uh, there's that bit about Alice. Like that shit could be way more fleshed out. Yes. I wanna learn about the one who was like locked away because she had fucking premonition powers and shit. Alice is yeah. super interesting. Yeah, with electrotherapy like, oh, and she was in the, the asylum. In the book and in Flesh the movie. Alice, you're so weird. <laughs> so so oh, just sorry, for our Alice. Buffy people <laughs> because because T and I are Buffy Buffy people. Um for our Buffy people out there, uh Alice is Drew without all the cuckoos. Without the multiple yeah. mental breaks. Yeah. yeah. But she's, I mean, and, and we can make a lot of lines to buff and- uh, no idea. Because the whole thing about it being like, oh my God, like a vampire fell in love with a human, how original. And I was like, yeah. Buffy? Yeah. But yeah, so Alice well, is just- Well, and that's a larger question is, but Angel was so much more interesting than Edward ever was. I mean, Angel's no, back. Angel in the beginning yeah. was sucked. Yeah. What? Like Angel in the beginning of Buffy sucked. Yeah, he might you as know, well I, have been I, Edward. Yeah, that's true. I, I never, wa I've never watched. I only watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie with Pee Wee Herman. I don't know. <laughs> Fantastically weird. Uh, we should get Let's back to talking about the book because there, there are so many things that we can talk about with this book. Yeah. I well, watched. the reason I bring this up, though. He is saying not me. <laughs> the reason I bring this up, though, I actually have a reason for it, is there is a rumor out there that this was Buffy fanfic um, that has not been substantiated, but actually you can draw lines between characters. Mm -hmm. 100%. For example, Jessica is Cordelia, blah, 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 blah. I do not blah, blah, blah. the dream thing at all. No. But maybe that's because I was had studied to be a writer, and when I wake up from a dream, I think, huh, what's that mean about my fucking life? <laughs> right. I dream about a vampire. I think, what's sucking? <laughs> the life out of me. Like, I'm not thinking like, that's a solid story. <laughs> I want to talk. I, you know what? Tina, Tina you made an amazing point there. You made an amazing point. I want to talk about this because um, I was very genre before I went to grad school. 
very i would love sci-fi i love fantasy i went to grad school and I, you know i happened to be fighting a war and a revolution and, and down at hurricane katrina and all that and they made me think that i had to write literary fiction but now that i'm done with that shit i am going back to genre because i love genre and, and you know i just like what's the difference between literary fiction and genre i don't know ask vonnegut you know i don't know ask uh it depends on how many people read you i guess i don't know so gaiman speaking of genre and gaiman. dreams yeah neil gaiman i was at a talk uh, he gave a talk at Sigma Tau Delta conference a million years ago when I was faculty advisor. And Gaiman said this about dreams. He said, dream logic is not story logic. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like he just, he was just like, boom, like that, that's the most important thing he said that day. Dream logic is not story logic. Now I've started using dreams, um, as writing prompts, which means that you cannot, you can't use the you can't write the dream right Mm -hmm. it's like a prompt imagine if and so her story stands if it's a writing prompt but the truth is that it doesn't stand because that chapter that is supposed to be her dream is um word for word is what she wrote in her book right word for word right um (laughs) is i'll give her you know what it's actually one of the better chapters it's not it's not one of the good chapters, but it is one of the better chapters. And I find it really hard to believe that the first thing she writes is shittier than the last thing she writes. I mean, is better than the last thing she writes. Sorry, you, I mixed it up. Why do you find that hard to believe? Because because you, you get better, right? Like the I more mean, you the more you churn, the better you get. Everything after that middle chapter, that well, first third chapter, it's pretty early, I guess. Yeah, but- because there's a lot better than it. But the first couple of chapters feel like a brand new writer who's just stretching her limbs, right? It feels like all of the stuff that you oh, yeah. do when you have no idea what you're doing. And so I don't buy that that was the thing she wrote first. It, 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 to me, yeah. I'm sorry, and, and it feels like an intermediate fiction class. Mm. The whole mythology of how this story came to her only matches the same tone established in the twilight series and that's what makes it unbelievable yes well yes i mean i want a dream that comes to me in seven series of buffy um you know and (laughs) right and the best part is after you write that dream you get to rewrite it right in different perspectives or swap genders or whatever Whatever makes you get more money. Well, BT Dubs, a big shout out to the fan fiction community who are actually really awesome yep. and don't get enough credit mm-hmm. out there who are doing really cool character stuff uh, and all kinds of cool stuff. They We're not so- putting you down. Nope. No. Oh, no, I love fan fiction. Fan fiction community is awesome. I, I will sign any petition for royalties for the fan fiction community. Right? I just... Because we've been talking about fan fiction a little bit, I kind of needed to put that out there. We love you guys. You're awesome. I let my students write fan fiction so long as they say where it's from. Right? But fan fiction is really cool. But when Bonnie died, he he said anybody can write anything from my stories, and he yeah. actually has a website right now. But fan- the fact that she refuses to acknowledge it bugs me. Yeah, yeah. I and I have a question. I mean, a thought about the friend. I think we kind of touched on this, and and Tia kind of answered it in our messaging. 
um, about how long within that first half of the book does Edward just have to be an absolute dick to her? And she still just kind of says, and over and over again, oh, you're talking to me now? Oh, you're being nice to me now? And then he's a dick again. And then she rolls in again and says, oh, you're talking to me now? Oh, I'm, I'm glad we're talking. And I, that was the time within the reading that I nearly dropped. I, ne- I nearly said, I know I'm putting this podcast together, but you guys are just going to have to do it without me for this first one because I could not get over that relationship between her just take taking his shit for three or four or five chapters and then every time she he says I'm gonna be nice he's nice for a second then he's a dick again you know and and I get that the way that Meyer put it out there is that he's protecting her from him he doesn't want to hurt her yeah but come on there's a lot of different ways you can write that you know there's a here's one I'm a vampire if you're with me, I'll hurt you instead of just being a dick for five chapters, you know? I mean, because she figures it out that he's different the second he saves her from the van, right? That's a moment instead of avoiding her, treating her like gaslighting. He basically gaslighted her, gaslit her for four chapters. And why not at that point say, please give this young girl a break. She already knows. Stop being a dick. And why does she keep coming back? So she's cribbing um, the whole kind of rom-com thing of the banter as love, which dates back, I've only recently found out, to Victorian kind of love stories where love is a game and there is a winner. But she's not, I mean, occasionally she's funny, but it's super rare and I'm not 100% positive it's on purpose. Sometimes I think it is, but it's not a com, right? And it's not a game. It's just abusive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And Tia, you described it as um, grooming. And can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, he is 110 years old. So to be 104, clear, 104 in the first minute. He book. died in the flu pandemic. We're reading this in the pandemic pandemic. <laughs> so he's very old. It doesn't matter. He's extremely fucking old. And there's no maturity that's taken place. But they still attend fucking high school. Oh my God. Self, actually, if you just think about this, very attractive, alluring people going to high school who are like not there to learn anything. Literally, I guess, just to pick up boring bitches like Bella. That's straight up grooming. Okay. Like, but it is, it is also like, like Case said. She puts up with this shit for a second and then rolls right over. So there is no actual agency, no feminist agency, no actualization. But the interesting part about that is like at that point, when they start to actualize their relationship, it's too late anyway, Mm -hmm. because we haven't established Bella as a character there. She's never established and she's we're just with her. We're just like with with her banal brain and its motions and its observations and its condescendence. She hates everything, but also made these choices. Doesn't explain why, right? Like she moves to forks and she just says like, oh, I moved forks. Ooh, I hate forks. I miss the sun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hate you guys. Cause you don't even know what the sun is. It was that so her bad. mother could go to the Florida with her baseball boy. Over oh, yeah. this truck, he's like he's in the minor leagues, and yeah. she's trying to support him. And like, 
finally gets to the last part. It's revealed in the last part to me anyway, where like he finally gets like signed with a league and we're going to be in Jacksonville, Florida and you can come with us. I would love to talk so about this, the epilogue. It's implied that like, I guess Bella's mom chooses her boyfriend over Bella in a way that displeases her and that's why she goes to live with Charlie. I got But I don't I don't think she does. I think Bella chooses the boyfriend for her mom. Uh Bella chooses to to move Just, before, know, like, so her mom like, could have to live happiness? with if her mom chooses her boyfriend over Bella, it is the only indication that we can connect to why Bella is so fucking attachy to male attention and male relationships. Because honestly, Charlie's a saint. <laughs> and maybe a Charlie's saint. awesome, right? Yeah. Am I Do wrong? Oh my God, Charlie's that? awesome. I, didn't I love Charlie so much. I can marry bad, him today. Like, Dude doesn't need much. He needs, he, need, he needs to go fish He shows up and Charlie's like, hey, I got you this whole piece of shit truck, basically. And she's like, fuck you, dad. <laughs> and I'm just like, this bitch, you can walk to school. Then. <laughs> All right. So this is my problem with 12-year-olds reading this. Um, no, don't get me wrong. If my 12-year-old wanted to read this, I'd let them. But the fact that it is marketed to 12-year-olds and no. we have in here someone who is responding to abuse um, or or condescension or whatever so clearly, whose brain is filled with condescension and there's no repercussions, positive or negative, of that. It's not like she's a mean girl who gets popular by being mean. She's, she's internally mean and nobody knows and nobody cares and it doesn't affect her or anybody else at all this is like not shit you want 12 year olds exposed to i would agree and e- i mean and like even that, though that grooming is like her being right that grooming makes it even worse right and so if i think about a 40 year old woman reading this i'm like who cares whatever he's a dick she's a dick whatever but if i think about a 12 year old reading this i I become concerned, not because, you know, the 12 year olds reading this, but because it's marketed to 12 year olds. It is marketed. And I'm both. So so I read uh, about half of this off of audiobook, and a lot of it was in the truck. And my 11 year old daughter was in the truck. Jackie was with me. And and what she had to say about it was like, it is super cheesy. It's like, I don't, I didn't, she didn't like any of it. But Jackie's yeah. also like your I mean, kid. She's yeah, got to be super that, aware, that right? A normal example. Come yeah. On, and if, like, come on. And also, she's eleven, so she may not be into like. I mean, she can hit boys at fifteen. Is she into boys yet? She was. Is cool it okay enough. to discuss when that? I met her when she was four. Yeah, I she's she's a cool kid. Cool enough for her when she was four. Here we are, a gazillion <laughs> years later. I don't think she's not. She's a, She's not a standard example. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to share something personal here. When I was, so I had to ask everybody what 12 is grade wise, because I only can measure things in grades. So when I was about in, uh, Tia, you said it's sixth grade? The summer before sixth grade, I got my monokini, which is a one piece suit with like two parts, right? It was tied on the side and I thought I was hot shit. And um, I would prance, deliberately prance, in front of the um, 18, probably 17-year-old boy that lived in my apart- my um, 
grandparents' apartment complex. I liked the attention he was giving me. I liked, um, I liked the feeling that maybe I was worth something. And um, I'd felt fat and ugly and sad for most of my life. And this is what Bella is, right? She's a girl who feels ugly. And then she goes to a town where all of the boys like her. Um, I understand the why this would be pleasant to read right like if you're you're 12 and you're like really in your own skin and and you're starting to get interested in boys and you're starting to get little buds and people are starting to look at you and you read about Bella who used to suck and now she's awesome and all the boys like her and there's this older boy who's really interested okay now this becomes dangerous this becomes very concerning to me that a girl who is like me is reading this I do think you're entire story like your entire history is is very real as we've discussed right like a reference netflix is <laughs> little reference when there I watched netflix's cuties i thought no that's actually what 12 year olds are like from right. where i'm from it, we talked about it being normal does that mean we approve i don't know right that's right there's no approval or disapproval it just is what it is the acknowledgement of that existence yeah but again what's very disturbing is that bella is 17 which yeah. is still relatively young to be going into the kind of obsessive relationship and toxicity that she is i for or marriage or marriage it doesn't have oh. to be a god the marriage the marriage thing right it was proposed to in high school I I was engaged in high school. That happened to me in the high school cafeteria, but I'm not going to tell it right now. I I was engaged in high school. Right. So these are things that happen. Right. These are real things. You have the perspective of now being like, yeah, don't do that. Like, if you happen to be like anywhere from the age 12 to 17 listening to this, don't do that. Don't do that. That was the wrong boy for me. um, I don't expect you to listen to us. But it is a thing that happens. But the issue is, is that if you're a 12 year old reading the perspective of a 17 year old, regardless of whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you are putting expectations into place. And I say that as somebody who watched so many rom coms <laughs> from the 60s till now, obsessed. And I thought that's what love's got to be. That's what high school's going to be. And that's exactly how I want a vampire chick to go into me <laughs> after marriage, to be clear. So I, and I get, and the controlling aspects, like you think, oh, this is love. So love is, and you can all fill in that gap there based on this book and the reception of this book as well. Okay. So that's 60 minutes. What did you want to do? 60 minutes. All right. So let's do 10 more. And I just want to point out that I'm really happy that Sean went all in on the vampire lighting (laughs) because- He looks total vampire right here. Yeah. And, and I think I watched way too many uh, John Hughes films because that was my uh, expectation of love growing up, too. So I'm so yeah. upset that I still was like, really? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So we got 10 more minutes, and I think we've covered a lot. The truth is, I think the four of us talk about this for, oh, you know, six more hours. Um, <laughs> so if anybody has anything to kind of like broach for the last. 10 minutes and um, everybody kind of maybe answer that once. So we, 
if possible. Um, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, but this is Case Johnston with the uh, Bourbon Beers and Books. We're recording from Ogden, Utah on Historic 25th Street at Monarch One. Uh, we have Sean Davis with us uh, from uh, Mackenzie Bridge, Oregon. We have Tia Brown with us from Buffalo, New York. And we have uh, Lee Camacho Rourke from someplace in Florida. <laughs> Claremont. Claremont. Okay, good. So, um, and so, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's ask one more question and see... Um, what, what all of our takes are on it. And then we have to introduce our next book, which I do not think we've found an answer to after 77. I counted them today because every time I'd come back, there's 14 and there's 27, there's, there's 44. Um, we did not come up with an answer for our next book. Oh, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Which one you got? You got the next question or you got the next book? What do you got? I got the next book, but I'm not going to reveal it until the end. Okay, good. Uh, all Sean, right. I don't think we hit everything you wanted to talk about. Why don't you ask the next question? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, good. He said something about epilogue earlier. Sean, you had the most... Oh, notes. it ended at the cross. No, like, so if... <laughs> no, this book ended the prom. No, like, I would love to go in more into this, you know, like, so when you guys give me a book, I take it very seriously. I researched a lot of the books. I've read like about three and a half of them, but I think it's really important to, to uh, go to the next, uh, you know, go some, someplace else, you know, and so I want to watch, I want to read uh, something else. So I'm going to talk about the prom. Uh, when I read the prom, did anybody else think that there was going to be a massacre? Like, is this, is this like, is this like the Stephen King in all of us that I thought it was just going to be like, you did watch Buffy or no, I'm not, I watched, I watched, I watched all seven seasons, all seven seasons of Buffy. If it's a teenage prom and it's, and it's horror adjacent in any way, of course, like someone's dying. Someone's dying. Yeah. What, what happens in this prom? Oh, so, so Sean brought up the problem of plot. Um, and, and I think that that the prom is really a good place to so the problem of plot if you guys aren't familiar with twilight is that the plot starts um let's say two-thirds of the way through the book um and the epilogue should i don't know maybe start the plot of the night i don't know what an epilogue should do but this epilogue this big question is anyone no it's just a confirmation that i Guess they love each other. Like, good for them. Whatever. Who cares? He put his teeth on her neck. Yeah. And that's where it ends. Well, and they talked about the damn prom for a third of the book. You know, she's like, how many guys asked her? Everybody asked her, can you be there that night? Can you be there that night? Eric asked her and Mike asked her. And then they all talked about it. And and then she forgot the day. (laughs) She had no idea that like they was picking her up for the prom. It's and so what she, and she hates high school. She hates being a teenager. She basically hates being alive. And she's like, you know what? Let's go to prom anyway. Yeah. With and my let's house. go to prom and let's talk about my mortality. No, you <laughs> know, she goes That's to prom. That's hot. Oh, yeah. She says yes. over and over again, I would not go to prom if you weren't so strong to make force me out of the car. I mean, that's so gross. Well, she has a broken leg. Yeah. And she's like, why didn't you turn me? 
I don't know. Oh, she, she can't dance. And she's got a broken. <laughs> okay, real quick, I know we have to end, but I actually thought her clumsiness was a disease for like three quarters of the book. There's a lot of subtext that indicates that she's ill. Yeah. She is not ill. She is just rom-commed. And I think this is Meyer's way of setting up, foreshadowing he has to save her and he starts to save her even the littlest things and the little clum. He kind of, he makes fun of her clumsiness. It's a really kind of, again, it goes back to him just being a dick. And I don't think that 12 year olds are going to read, 12 year old boys are going to read a lot of this. But if they do on both sides of this coin, first off, young girls should not be treated that way. And secondly, young males should not say I could, this is the way I should treat girls. Um, you know, to get them to like me. Um, I've had a lot of boys read this in my classes, sort of secretly carrying it around. I actually have had boys be like, I don't want anyone to know, but this is what I'm reading. Um, I'm, I'm a girl who shows her love through insults. I'm just going to be honest here. It's not, I mean, I am toxic masculinity as a woman. (laughs) Um, I, I I love insult, but this is like creepy. That's just rude. It's not, and the, the no. idea that she's like uh, forever, by the way, 12 year olds do not make forever in your prom <laughs> forever. <laughs> but, but in order for you to flirt, like you said before, like Austin does it really well. Um, it has to be witty, you know, it has to be witty. Yeah. That's not the just, thing. It it's has not to just be mean, witty. you know, I mean, it's not just mean. To be clear, I occasionally laughed. There are a couple of witty flirts in here, but most of them aren't, and that's the sad thing. If this were a rom-com and it were funnier, I would have been in. But she's using all those tropes. Yeah, and I have to give her props. I mean, we had we said we wanted to end positive, right? Yeah. I have to give her props that she had the balls to send this to an agent. <laughs> <laughs> there are some really compelling scenes forget, in this book. It is. <laughs> No, no, no. I want, I want to talk about that because uh, she sent this to an agent uh, after she had a dream and she started writing the day that her kids went to uh, swimming school, yeah. swim. And it was only six months later that Little Brown gave her a $750,000 three book deal. And just for reference, Sean, can you give like an estimate of the amount of time that that process usually takes? Yeah, like 20, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this. I'm still waiting for my little brown deal. Yeah, you know, I'll t- this is Little brown, I'm looking at you. This stings me. I'm I actually, not looking at little brown because I don't actually want to be on the same bill. I, uh. Sorry, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> I, uh, I had, a, I had a revise and resubmit with little brown. Like, I was this close <gasps> and got the rejection after the resubmit. So, to hear it's little it brown. incredibly but, difficult to do. Yes. Yeah. And I would, I don't, and I do literally podcast and Brandon's here for every single one of them. And a lot of the stories are 13, 14 years and it's not a big deal. I mean, not, not a big money deal. It's, I started 13 years ago. I shopped this out for 12 years. I revised it 10 times and I got, uh, I got a contract with a small press that they, most, most writers end up loving, but to do it within six months with that kind of stuff, maybe that's why we're talking about it today. But it's also like we should be comparing it to other YA deals. Yeah. So let's find out like how long it took for Hunger Games or something like mm-hmm. that to come to fruition. Which was a bu- much better written. 
you know. Yeah. Also, this is. I read that. I read that. that. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. To be clear, the publishing is a part of the zeitgeist, right? She comes in sweeping in for with a clean, a clean jeans, no fear, vampire romance, and and that's what they were buying. They weren't buying her writing, good or bad, whatever you feel about it. Um, there's a matter of luck involved in oh, this. Yeah. And I think that it's okay for us to admit that, that having, she didn't have her f- pulse, her finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist. She stumbled in to a niche that was desired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and talking about next books, we brought up, sorry. I would love to end this with asking all of you guys, how much did you have to read? How much do you have to drink to get through this book? (laughs) 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 Jesus. That's a whole bottle. So Tia Uh, is showing her bottle. Like not in a day. This was like over like a week and a half, but no, no, me too. Me too. But I I couldn't drink because I kept falling asleep. (laughs) Legit. It's not a lie. For me, so shout out to 1911. You were worth it. Yeah. Is it good? Is it a good whiskey? It's pretty good, actually, in terms of uh, what's here locally. But I guess we might have like a little sidebar about like. Uh, I bought Dead Guy tonight just to like because uh, Edward's a dead guy, but but I've been drinking mostly Bullet Bullet Bourbon's a good one. There's some. There's some issues with Bullet. Bullet is good, but mm, there's some issues. Guy, he, the, the guy disowned his daughter, that one? Yeah, for being uh-huh. gay. Yeah. As yeah. a queer, I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't give them my money anymore. I gotta mention it, or I don't get to keep my card. Yeah, as as a as a buy, I have the same problem. Well, I'm now a bullet non ally. Not buying bullet anymore. And just like I can't eat Jimmy John's, you know, Jimmy John's. I know that guy's a total ass. All right, but you know, there's always old Saint Pete. That's the picture. We're just all like. I got, I got my no. beer. <laughs> You'll walk the old. Oh, you had a bottle. I will have. Case, you better get Brandon a better bottle. I'm going to send Brandon a bottle. I'm, no, Brandon. What's our next book? Yeah, depending on the book. Depending on the book. Oh, uh, our next book. Our next book. John, what's our next book? What's the uh, book? Know, honestly, I'm going to come down there and we're going to hang out with some bands and drink some good whiskey. So I'm talking yeah. about. Come next first so, Friday. No. Are you guys on next first? We're on to this Friday. Oh, you're and, starting. Yeah. Book is Hemingway right now. What's our next yeah, book? Yeah, yeah. Is it is it Hemingway without junk? The sun also rises. Okay. That is junkless Hemingway. <laughs> All right, let's do it. And oh, no, no, uh, junkless Hemingway. What? So the first thing I wanted to do was uh, death in the afternoon, because I had read all the books and I wanted to go back through it. I thought. Killing lions in Africa. No, death in the afternoon is Hemingway um, going to bullfights. It was all reportage. Mm-hmm. It was all, no story at all. Just like, just definitely, this is what happens. This is what happens. This is what happens. And and that I get, but I didn't want to push you guys through that after we did this. No, <laughs> sun also rises works. And yeah. so with this, I don't think Brandon needs to edit anything. Do you want to maybe just do a drop and then? That's it. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, I don't yeah, think there's I'll, any I'll editing get you in the separate. Middle. 
Yeah. Yeah. You just wrap us and we're, we're okay. Solid. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. The sun also rises. Thank you, everybody from across the country for joining us. I know we probably had a million subscribers tonight, <laughs> a million point five next time. Uh, this is Case Johnson with Sean Davis, Tia Brown, and Lee Camacho Works, of course, with our producer, Brandon Long. A what? I was rolling. Yeah. Was so rolling. Keep going. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so tune in next time for Bourbon Books and... Uh, bourbon, uh, beer, and books. There we go. Figure it out, Case. <laughs> bourbon, beer, and books. Bourbon, beer, and books. All right, we're good. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs>